On November 11th, join us for Benzinga's 7th Annual FinTech Awards. It's going to be a day full of networking, deal-making, and recognition of incredible achievements that you won't want to miss. Good afternoon. Hey, look, we both, we both pointed. Nice job, man. Good afternoon, everybody. How are we doing? Welcome to Benzinga Live. I'm Spencer. That's AB, a.k.a. Aaron Bree, a.k.a. the man who's long every single meme stock in the world. Uh, we got a jam-packed show today. We got like five guests on today's show, I, I think. It's, it's yeah, going to be so, so insane. Spencer, right at the top at 1210, uh, we're going to have Randall Crowder, who's the COO of Funware. Uh, everyone's been talking about this stock, ticker P-H-U-N. We've had Randall on a couple times, so excited to get Randall back on the show and ryan costello will be joining us as well um and like, from their board from the board from the board of directors yep and, and like you said i mean we just have a jam-packed show at 12 30 we have kate duchenne joining us um from resources connection and then at 12 45 we've got kind of a special treat for our viewers an ama ask me anything with carparts.com coo david many and ceo lev peaker um and, and so Spencer, and then jesse kaler at one yeah, we'll be doing right. some trading with uh, well, Crazy are we day. doing trading with Jesse or are we just going to be talking stocks? All yes, all is the, the answer to that question. Yes. yes. Let, let's start the show. Let's get ready to rumble. Information all right, AB, let's get things started with a news update quickly. We'll run through the headlines and we'll get to I see you all in the chat. I see you. We know why you're here. We'll get to why you're here in a second, but first, real, real quick, let's just rip through some headlines. Go. Yeah, so we, of course, we're in the middle of earnings season. We had more earnings uh, last night. Zillow reported Spencer, and it was a big miss for the company. Um, so revenue came in at one point seven four billion versus the two billion estimate. Um, and, and Zillow, you know, gave some interesting guidance on their home buying business, essentially saying they are closing that vertical of the business and they are cutting 25% of the company's workforce. So not good news on Zillow. We've got the, the chart up on the screen. Um, what is that? It looks like it's trading down. Uh, yeah, 20%. 20%. This is the ultimate like Wall Street bets thing, I feel like, because like you all know that the, the housing market's been on fire. And Zillow managed to lose money in the hottest housing market in what, 15 years, 14 years. Uh, so like, hey, <laughs> that's like the ultimate Wall Street bet thing, I feel like. Yeah. And the company essentially said that the um, uncertainty of housing prices just poses too much volatility on the company's balance sheet right now. So that's kind of why they're closing their home buying business or so they say. Um, so yeah, not a great day for Zillow. Let us know in the chat. Hopefully you weren't long the company into earnings. Let us know if you're buying the dip. I know I'm certainly not because, I mean, just not good news coming no. out of Zillow. Um, of course, the open door competitor. Uh, let's check in on open, see what open's doing. Oh, whoops. I skipped ahead. Okay. We'll, we'll check in on Bed Bath & Beyond in a second because that's the other big news. Uh, ooh, it's okay. It's up 2%. Uh, okay, we're not, so we're not opens, really sure. Open's faring a little bit better than Zillow off yeah. of Zillow's new. So Bed Bath uh, & Beyond just skyrocketed yesterday afternoon. Um, and of course, you know, the other meme stocks followed. So we had AMC, GameStop, yep. Bed Bath & Beyond yep. um, all running yesterday. So of course, Bed Bath & Beyond still has a bunch of short interests. A bunch of short sellers just got crushed yesterday. Um, this looks like the stock's trading up nearly 20% right now. So, uh, you know, good, good day for it Bed is Bath. It is low, but look at, but look at the internet chart. Look at the pre-market chart. It is well off its highs. 
Yeah, so, I mean, uh, you know, hopefully that's just people taking profits. Um, we'll definitely so. be watching these stocks throughout the rest of the day. Yes. Bed Bath & Beyond, AMC, GameStop. Um, Spencer, ADP, the payroll company, <laughs> reported 571,000 new jobs added in October. That mm. crushes the Dow Jones estimate of 395,000. Yawn. You don't care about jobs? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> nice spin. No, I, I don't care about that number. I do care about jobs. I don't care about that number. All right. <laughs> but that was good. Good spin, man. Well, the last news item on my day for the docket today was <laughs> Lyft. Lyft reported yesterday and reported, uh, in contrast to Zillow, very strong earnings. And Lyft cited an increase in demand for rides um, in the previous quarter. So, so we see Lyft trading up today, Uber up as well, trading with Lyft. So, um, you know, good day for the rideshare companies. So, <laughs> yeah anything to add on no this not really not really uh i haven't taken a lift since before covid i don't know if, if, or if, an uber if, if you've taken a lift uh oh that's a lie i have i take that back if you've taken a lift or uber since covid drop a one in the chat if you have not dropped it too uh but uh hey that was such a great comment you made about i don't care about jobs. that was some great spin i would i would expect that comment from one of our next guests who is a, a former u.s house representative uh, he's on the board of directors uh, at Funware, uh, we'll bring Ryan Costello on along with Randall Crowder, who you, you all know, the COO of, of Funware. Let's get them both on here right now because that was some that was some Washington D.C. level spin that AB just did. So congratulations, Ryan. There he is, Randall. There he is. Good afternoon, guys. How are we doing today? Doing well. How about yourself? Congrats on the Behringer Capital deal. Hey, we have new yeah. bosses. You gotta throw hey, some love your way. You, you Thank sold you. your yeah. soul. I know what that's like. Yeah, we 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 sold our soul and other things here at Benzinga. Uh, so here's what we're. This is going to be a bit of a uh, new thing for us because AB and I we got some questions, but you you've heard us ask Randall questions before. So rather than just do that again, right? Yeah, he's dodging. Rather than do that again, we thought we would bring Ryan on as well, and how we can have a little bit of a fireside chat and have Ryan and Randall do a little back and forth. Aaron and I are going to chime in with some questions as well. Um, but we, we wanted to do, we thought, how can we do something different than just get another interview with me and Randall or AB and Randall? Uh, so Ryan, welcome to the show. First off. Good to be on. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Um, and I want to just, I guess, Ryan, I want to give you the floor uh, first and, and, and let you sort of start things off here. The chat is, is all over this. Uh, I don't know. I, I know what they want, but uh, yeah. So, so Ryan, uh, I'll open the floor to you. Why don't you start us off here and just, you know, have at it. Sure. Uh, um, you know, I, I grew up in the suburbs of Philadelphia. Uh, when I graduated law school, I got very into the political process, ran for local office, ran for county office. During that time, I was also uh, an attorney advising companies, uh, a lot of companies in the startup phase. 
uh, got elected to Congress, served the last two years of the Obama administration, the first two years of the Trump administration. And then since 2019, I've been a consultant for uh, some associations and uh, some other uh, companies down here in Washington, D.C., and even on the private side, uh, advising some startup companies. And so um, when I got to learn about uh, Funware and, and had some discussions with Randall early on, uh, I think Randall was able to pick up that I was very excited about what Funware does on a day to day basis. And I think and I can relate this back, frankly, to when I served in Congress on the um, yeah. on the subcommittee on digital commerce uh, and on the technology subcommittee. You know, you need to know where the puck is going. And you need to prepare for that and you need to go get it. And you need, frankly, uh, create a business model around that. And I think we'll probably talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the role of privacy and technology policy, as well as how you can, I think, ethically um, provide a, a, a provide a, a solution um, to owning your data and, and treating it as the commodity that it is but monetizing it your own self and not allowing, you know, certain big players to, to do it over and over and over again. And I think we'll probably talk a lot about right. that in a little bit. But but what specifically drew you to Funware? Because, you know, you talk about skating where the puck is going. There are a lot of, of cool yeah. futuristic companies out there, right? So what, what, but what was it specifically about Funware? Yeah, I'm interested yeah. in this answer, too, because, like, I hounded him, and it's like, you know, I, I figured he probably wouldn't even return my call. So this is this will be good. So there's three or four things. First, let, let me just go through, like, you, they have good people. Like, they have strong management. Okay. Um, Alan is a visionary, um, and Randall is a phenomenal operator. So, you know, that's number one. I think number two, uh, when you look at what the ethos of the company is, is it is not looking to monetize you. It's looking to allow you to monetize yourself. Um, and I think philosophically that that very much attracted me. Then th there's two main two main points in terms of their business model. Number one, um, and again, I, I served in, in local government. Uh, I've, I've been involved in more political campaigns than I than I can share. Well, I can share. <laughs> um, and and I've served on the board of a, of a local hospital. And if you look at the verticals that Funware does, um, uh, it has a solution. Um, for each one of those industries in a way that empowers um, the operator and the individual to maximize who they are and to create value for themselves and to make their lives easier, right? Getting, getting information to the right person the right way at the right time, um, I think is kind of what the mantra of Funware is. And yeah. I understood that intuitively because I've, I've been involved in every single one of those platforms before. And most particularly for me, I mean, the political side, I think, is kind of, is more self-evident. But on the government on the government side, um, you know, I did a lot of public administration in my day. I mean, it is a phenomenal way to go about providing constituent service in a way that allows the constituent to learn and get answers on their own. Um, interacting with government, but frankly, reducing the amount of, of bureaucracy that needs to be involved on a day-to-day -day basis. Then the final point is, is, is the, is the, um, is the fun coin, fun token, uh, the role of cryptocurrency. Um, you know, they are ahead of the curve. Funware is ahead of the curve, and they have very, very smart people, very smart people. And so I'm, I'm very excited to see where we go as a company. Um, and I, I'll mention one final point. You know, I, I mentioned this to Randall the other day. I just did the, the National Association of Corporate Directors certification process. And you learn a lot about corporate governance as part of that. 
Um, but one of the big things that you learn is, you know, when you're with a company that's on the move, um, you know, a lot of challenges come up and, and the goal is to create the right governance model and understand what they're doing operationally so that you can empower them um, as a company to, to keep going and to keep achieving and to keep succeeding. And so that's what they're doing. And, and, and I'm proud to, you know, I'm proud to be on, involved. I'm excited for what the future holds. Uh, Randall, if I can open it to you for, for a second here, uh, maybe, can you speak a little bit about, uh, you know, the, the, the political involvement that Fundware has had, I don't know how much you can, you probably, I don't know how much you can speak about right now, but in the past, right. And, and the involvement with, uh, uh, Trump's campaign and, and what, and what else you've been involved in. Yeah, no, thank you. And I think Ryan teed this up so well. I mean, that goal of, you know, what we kind of call contextual engagement. That's the future, you know, and we've we've ushered in a transformation in the past going from web to mobile. Now mobile is kind of table stakes. It's what can you do with it now? If you think about just that mobile phone being a mobile computer that's location aware, that knows a whole lot about you and the world around you. And politics is such an incredible vertical for that. I mean, it's actually an honorable vertical for that. I mean, you know, that is, you know, kind of underpins, you know, our society and our life. And so how do we enable politicians to better engage their constituencies um, on the left and the right? And so, you know, going into, you know, the, we've, we've worked on both sides of the aisle. Um, obviously, you know, most uh, famously, you know, we worked on the presidential election um, for Trump. And that was a really exciting opportunity for us because an insider in the campaign, they were already going down a, a route towards you know, Salesforce, actually. Insider in the campaign said, time out. If you want to do this, there's only one company that can do what you're trying to do. Point blank. At the time, we were managing all of Fox's entire mobile ecosystem. I mean, you have a company that could arguably buy and build anything they want, and they're outsourcing it all to Funware. It's because we are very good at this. And there's a lot of pretenders in mobile. There's a lot of people who say, oh yeah, I can build you a mobile app or I can do this. And when you start getting you know millions of people on it and transactions, they fail. You know, we set live streaming, concurrent records, every match of the World Cup for Fox while YouTube crashed, Google crashed. You have these Game of Thrones moments where they crash. And so for politics, they gotta be secure. And they got to work at scale. And so we got introduced in the 11th hour uh, and, and ended up beating Salesforce uh, to do you know, Trump's you know, mobile application. It was all about engagement. So it was night and day to what Biden had. Uh, and what's cool about that is now you know, we are you know, building that platform for you know, politics, both domestic and abroad. Uh, and it's incredible what we have now that we can offer. So every politician should be thinking about that. If you want you know, the Trump experience, Come to Funware, and we can do that right now, um, you know, for you. Uh, and, and that's what the future of engaging people in politics is going to have to be. Not only just in the virtual world to build that audience, but what you can do with that in the real world. You know, whether it's rallies or events, um, or in you know, putting people on the street to kind of build, you know, a volunteer force. All of that can be done on a mobile application. And or the metaverse. By the way, it's it's not a campaign. Doesn't just you don't press start and stop on a campaign, yeah. right? This is a 24-7, 365-day type of approach, and, and it's not just political candidates. It's issue advocacy uh, organizations and associations um, that, 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 that highly value uh, this type of contextual engagement. Absolutely. Very, very well said. So, so Ryan, you, uh, you know, as a former congressman, you have experience, you know, communicating with constituents. Um, do you think politicians need better tools to reach and engage voters in the 21st century? 
So the short answer is, and every politician will say this, yes, because you're constantly trying to improve. And um, to the po- some of the points that Randall made, um, you, you need to find a voter where they are. That's what I would always say. Like, you can't, don't try and convince a voter that you're right. Find a voter where they are and understand why they think what they think. And, and if you can understand the why behind it, uh, by the way, there's a lot of data behind that. Um, and there's also a lot of learning that comes serving in public office um, when you when you get the why to the question. Um, and and so, you know, just sort of adding to this, um, the, the constant engagement with constituents and with voters is really the difference between winning and losing. And so you you have to constantly be part. Uh, you have to constantly engage in a learning process with your voters throughout the course of a campaign. Because if you look at the trajectory of a campaign, where you start, right, and where you end up, you know, that arc um, and how well you do during that arc, understanding uh, what people are thinking and why they're thinking it and and how you can influence how they think from the perspective of informing them what what your positions are um, is extremely critical. And in a close race, it's the difference between winning and losing. And that's where the right type of company, the right type of engagement, um, uh, enabling engagement with voters um, is so critical. And the data that you gather from that, by the way, that's a two-way street, right? Voters want to have engagement, um, sometimes on a daily basis with a candidate um, and vice versa. Obviously, a candidate does. Right. Can, can you ask a question on that? Because I mean, I think what, you know, what, obviously everybody's talking about, you know, what Trump's trying to do today. And, you know, a lot of this kind of comes from this you know, fear or concern that the platforms we have are not good enough. Either A, there is, you know, algorithms at work that are kind of preventing your message from getting out. So you're, you're putting out all this great content and you're thinking in the back of your mind, is my constituency even getting it? You know, are we just playing for the, the 10% undecided in the middle? Like, and oh, by the way, how much of this content is, you know, derived from, you know, some, you know, Russian operation, you know, do politicians struggle with that today? Wondering, you know, is Facebook good enough? Is Twitter good enough? Oh, for sure. Um, and, and, Absolutely. I mean, to to, to try and um, to there's not a there's not confidence that if it, that you get full participation on on social media platforms or that that the available um, you know penumbra of information out there is is equally available to everyone. And, and I think the objective, frankly, is to try and push through those algorithms, right? Like not have that. Um, create a filter to what you are exposed to, to what you can learn from, and vice versa. You don't want your voice to be filtered back to an elected official or back to folks um, in, in some of these portals. So for sure. It, uh, there's, something, there's something to be said, right, to going straight towards, straight to voters, right? It's the same as going straight direct to a consumer, right? It's the same idea, right? Just going around the middleman, direct to the consumer, direct to the voter. Um, and you've seen, uh, you know, and I'm sure Ryan has seen this, you know, a lot, you know, politicians, you've you've adopted newsletters, right, for marketing, right? You've adopted other technology. Are we heading, are we heading to a, a universe where, like, every single candidate could theoretically have, like, their own app and their own platform. Yes. Technological platform. I mean, I I think, well, you need access to a platform, right? Right. Um, You know, let me just, let me take, this is how important data is. Okay. And and this is why having the the right company um, avail itself to enabling you to uh, 
empowered the data that you have is so important. When you do television advertising, when you do a mail campaign, you don't even think about putting paying to print mail and to send it out until you know who your voters are, until you know who's going to vote, what issues matter to them, how likely they are to vote, and what kind of things might get them out to vote. So you spend a lot of money, right, trying to get that right before you even decide to mail anything. And, and successful candidates spend a heck of a lot more on data up front before they ever put any mail in the mailbox, before they do any digital app. And so the companies that, that have expertise in that space um, and, and who can develop um, that data uh, are the ones that you want to be associated with because they're the ones, they are the ones that win campaigns. Yeah, that's fair. Um, look, there, there's a lot of stuff being thrown out around there right now about what funware may or may not be being involved in. Um, Randall, what can you say about that? And if, if you can't say anything, when will you be able to say something about that? Yeah, so I, 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 Lord knows, I mean, I kind of, uh, Funware, and, and, and Ryan talked about this before, you know, Funware, you know, we don't want to be a, a meme stock. So come for the meme, stay for the company, learn about what we actually do. You know, we are not a GameStop or an AMC that is commercializing, you know, a, a bygone business model. You know, we're the future of what we're going to do with mobile and, and politics is a, is a huge uh, platform for that. I think what excites me the most is like watching comments and people going, you know, we don't care you know, what they're doing. This company has so many different things it can do from blockchain to politics, to healthcare, um, to hospitality. You know, the idea of using mobile to reach customers at a time and place when they're most likely willing to uh, engage with a brand or an organization, that is the future of how we need to think about mobile. And so, you know, for us, we're always going to be controlled by, you know, compliance to Reg FD. We're always going to be controlled by, you know, certain contracts and, and what we can and can't say with customers and partners. And so we will, we, I think we've done a pretty good job. We've endeavored to communicate as much as we can, as transparently as we can about what we're doing. You know, we hope all the excitement in the market is getting people to kind of learn more about what we're doing. Um, you know, but what we're doing specifically, you know, in politics is building a platform for politicians to better engage, you know, consumers. And so, you know, if you look at, you know, kind of, I, I can tease it just a little bit, um, you know, some of the, you know, I'll share a couple of slides just from our design team uh, that oh, we're yeah. doing right now. Can you see that right now? Yeah, we got it. And so, you know, a lot of this is all about kind of what Ryan was talking about, you know, how do you give kind of a certain customizable feel to what you're doing in politics. You know, we're doing this with hospitals. You know, hospitals have traditionally, you know, used a third-party mobile application like MyChart if they have an Epic configuration, and it's not their content, it's not their brand. They're saying, hey, I want to control my audience, and that's absolutely how everybody should be thinking about it. And so with our platform, you know, we can give people that control so you know who you're engaging, you know one content's being shared, and you let some of your audience kind of opt out. You know, you can also have more flexible control over your content. So, you know, how do you establish a nice, rich, engaging, not just a, a, a series of headlines and news feeds you just kind of get lost in the mix, um, you know, but we also, I think one of the coolest things that we had built 
um, for Trump in, in 2020 that we didn't get to use was how do we do live events? You know, how do we do ticketing? How do we gamify, you know, real world experiences? And so we've built that and designed that into our platform as well. Um, and just all about increasing engagement. And I think that's one thing that our platform does. And Ryan mentioned, you know, we're not coming in saying we're going to replace everything that you use, whether you're a brand or a politician, you know, what we do is we access everything that you use and we bring it into one environment. So it's one app to rule them all. So you can still use Instagram, you can still use Twitter, but you need to have more control over your constituency and your audience. Uh, and that's what we're bringing to the table. And I think that's what everybody's so excited about. If you think about what, you know, got everybody so jacked up about what Trump is trying to do, it's disruption. It's disintermediating the middleman. And I think that's what people in their soul just do not feel comfortable with. You know, that's probably the greatest threat to our democracy is the prevention of a fair exchange of ideas. You don't necessarily have to agree with them, but by God, our system has to be in place. You know, there were, it wasn't that long ago that people of color weren't allowed to listen to politicians or engage in politics. We're creating new censorship mechanisms in a digital world that no one's paying attention to. But there's something wrong, you know, there's some, there's a glitch in the matrix. And I think that's why, you know, when Trump came out and said, hey, look, there's got to be a better way that got everybody excited. And we've been saying that forever. And, and so whether it's what we're doing with mobile software or what we're doing in blockchain to not only be able to verify you know, who you are, but also verify your data and have you take that control over control is what it's all about. And, and I think we have the platform to enable that and the tools to enable that we've proven it and multiple, you know, large, you know, kind of world stages with large brands like Trump, uh, like Fox. And I think, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna keep being a, a considerable player in this space. So we're excited. The, the screenshots that you just showed us, uh, you have in like an ETA and when we might see that in the real world? Stand by. Stand by. Okay. It's fair. Fair enough. Um, and, and I, and I, and also I appreciate your, your answer and not answer about about what, what you can say and and when you can say it um but there you know I, i'm just i'm looking at our chat right now and it's, it's going it's going berserk um like like at what point do you acknowledge that they want i mean they, they want to know right they they want to know what you're working on who you're working with you know at what point can you share it with them um, you know, everything with us is going to be for those you know, that aren't familiar, you know, it's there's a regulation fair disclosure that, you know, we have to abide by. Um, and so, you know, we again, unless it comes out in a press release, you know, we don't really talk about it unless it comes out in our earnings. We don't really talk about it. Um, I think what people need to understand is that these kind of transformations are not acute. They're not something that happens overnight. You know, Facebook didn't build Facebook overnight and, and Facebook didn't monetize Facebook for many years to come. Right. Uh, and so I hope people are, are looking at, you know, our revenue guidance, you know, 50% growth in Q3, over 100% growth in Q4. I hope they're looking at a recent acquisition we did. I hope they're looking at the role we can play in politics, the role we can play in many other verticals. And I hope they're taking all that into consideration and, and they're excited about that. You know, I don't want to just be, 
a flash in the pan, you know, meme stock, you know, we have a very real opportunity to affect real change and usher in an entirely new paradigm for how we think about mobile uh, in a mobile first world that's quickly becoming mobile only. So, you know, I, I respect that everybody is really excited about single pieces of news. I think a lot of that is day traders. The people who have been writing me for the past week saying, thank you, you changed my life. They got in when we were below a dollar and they've been building positions in funware for a year or more. And so, you know, I, I hope people aren't just here for a quick flip in the day trade. I hope they're realizing that, you know, we actually have a tiger by the tail, something very considerable that could, you know, really impact the world in a positive way, uh, especially in the political vertical. Uh, and I hope that they're, you know, excited about the future, not just any one engagement. Ryan, what, what do you make of all this, you know, because, you, you know, you, you've known Randall for longer than, you know, the re this recent period of excitement here. So what do you make of all this excitement? Uh, listen, I, it's an opportunity. Um, when you have, you know, the, the light shining on a company that is speaking to the very issues that I think a lot of people care about. I'll give you an example. Just today, you know, there's focus here in Congress on a new uh, privacy bill. Right. In the tech, in the tech space, like yeah. the mission of Funware, right. To have you own your own data. Um, it, it, it's so simple yet it hasn't happened. Right. Or if it does happen, it's because a company has made the principal choice that they are going to operate in that manner. Um, and I think that the more that message gets spread, you know, the more, um, the more folks want a seat at the table and, and, and the more people say, you know what, that, that company, aligns with my values that company aligns with how i want to use my phone that company aligns with how i want to go um find customers or or interact with constituents or with voters um so uh, it's, it's a very exciting time to be sure yeah. Yeah, the point about owning your own data i think we're only now in the last couple of years right grappling with our relative ignorance of the last 25 years, right? About wh who has our data and, mm -hmm. and what are they doing with it? And do we care? Well, we don't, we didn't care un until we cared. Right. And that, and now we, and how much they've made off it. That, well, that, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I guess, you know, uh, Ryan, do you, do you expect to, you know, as a former congressman, do you expect that we get some more, uh, how do I put this? I mean, uh, I, I guess do you, you expect Congress this to not go away as an issue in Congress? It's so not a, bipart away. a bipartisan issue in Congress. Uh, so it is a bipartisan issue. I guess the question is, do we have a bipartisan solution? And it, uh, to your point, like five years ago, I'm not so sure that policymakers had a full grasp on what, what do you mean own your own data? What does that even mean? Right. And, right. and, and now, now I think everybody understands what that means and they understand what path we've chosen to take and how, frankly, that path has probably been misguided and how it's, it's led to some, um, it's, it's, it's led to some unfortunate outcomes. Um, and it's rewarded, it's, re, it's rewarded bad actors. And so the question is, how do you course correct? Um, and how do you course correct in a manner that empowers the individual, right? Like, so when I go on the internet or when I choose to look something up or how I behave, Will I be able to use that in a way that empowers me? And will I be able to communicate with companies? Will companies be able to identify who I am in a way that gets us connected and cuts yeah. out, frankly, the the toll booth collector? Right. Yeah, that's yeah, that, that's right. Um, 
Randall Crowder. Is, that's what's exciting. Is that that's 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 where Fun Work stands. It's hard to necessarily put that in a 15 second commercial, but I, people are starting to get it. Yeah. Randall Crowder is the COO, and Ryan Castello is on the board of directors of Funware. You all know the the ticker. You all know the company. And, uh, and guys, uh, this has been great. Something different, I think. Uh, it's nice to get you know a third voice on here like Ryan, uh, you know, sort of spice things up for us. Uh, Randall, we appreciate uh, the screenshots. I had not seen those before, and we we will be in touch and see how things develop and uh, keep us informed, please. The people are, need to be kept informed of, of 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 the comings and goings and what's happening here. So uh, so we're looking for, we're looking forward to that. And uh, thank you both for joining us today on Benzinga Live. Thank y'all. Thank you. Y'all, y'all, honestly, y'all are doing an amazing job. You know what y'all have done for the community of investors is incredible. And so thank you for just being a part of y'all's story as well. So you know this is a, a new day that we live in, and the more you can educate people, the better. Uh, and so we're happy to always participate. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Randall. Thanks a lot, Ryan. Uh, whoever was in the chat asking for a price target, man, we don't do that. Okay. Here, I'll give you a price target. I'll pull it out of the air right now. It would mean nothing, right? That's not what we're doing here. And also, even if I did have a price target, what what value would that have to anyone? What because I said so? Because I said it's going to 20. What does that mean? It means nothing, right? It doesn't mean anything. That's not that's not the point here. Um, the point is to to hear from uh, the people inside the company in the know, you know, obviously, uh, Randall is very good at, at, at not answering certain questions, uh, and, and dipping and dodging around certain questions. Um, you know, as he is want, want to do, frankly, uh, you know, I can ask what I want to ask and I can't make him answer in any way, shape or form. Uh, all I'll say is, um, I guess the only thing we can do is wait and see, right? Wait and see on the app. Wait and see on who they're working with. Because he didn't say. Frankly, I mean, he didn't. He he didn't really say. He he was. He I, gave, I will say I I had the pleasure of of speaking with Randall actually back in January, kind of when I was first starting here at Benzinga, and he yeah. was one of my favorite um, executives that I had gotten to speak to just because he was so candid. Did, did he show you the thing? The the thing. His arm thing. Oh, that was just like a month ago. I did see that. Yeah. But that wasn't you know. And I talked to him back in January. Okay. You know he was all healthy still pumping iron you know but yeah, uh yeah but my, my only question i guess that i didn't get to ask would be that oh, sorry man if, if, I, um, if i known it would have let you ask it <laughs> i know i didn't do a good job of telling you but uh <laughs> just it, does being associated with having done trump's app in 2020 i mean randall mentioned working with both sides of the aisle yeah would that make maybe members on the other side of the aisle hesitant to work with them if they have been like linked to trump you should have asked man you should have asked hey we'll have to get randall ryan back hey if you liked that you can do us like the easiest solid favor in the world. Just hit the little thumbs up button on YouTube. I know it might mean nothing to you, but it really does mean something to us. So uh, we would appreciate. I get to eat lunch if we get to a certain amount of likes. Otherwise, that's actually true. Uh, uh, the threshold is always changing every day. And just to give you an idea of where we're at right now, uh, I think like we're at about 160, Spencer. I think Jason said 250. I get to eat lunch today. So. Well, I, that's actually i think that's the motivation for us not to not get there <laughs> so you don't get that you want spencer's being mean hopefully the chat isn't as mean as spencer um all right spencer we did say we have a packed show today do. what do we have coming up next we yeah we're, we're already running behind what what else is new frankly uh we have kate Chain. i see her here backstage uh she's ceo of resources connection uh hey we're gonna talk jobs ab we're gonna talk jobs you love jobs <laughs> 
<laughs> says, I do love jobs. I'm trying to tell me I don't like jobs over here. I like jobs. Where have all the workers gone? That is going to be one of my questions uh, for KG Shane. You know what? We, we have her here. Let's, let's just bring her on right now. KG Shane, uh, here she is. Hey, KG Shane, CEO of Resource Connection, ticker RGP. How are we doing today, Kate? Great. How are you guys? And thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, uh, coming on. Uh, we, we need to keep this show on the tracks because it's liable to go off the tracks at times. So we're trying, <laughs> trying, to, trying to keep it on the tracks. Uh, first, just tell us about uh, Resource Connection and, and, and what you do, and then, and then I'll get into my, my actual questions. Great. So our operating name is RGP. And for some people, that stands for really great people. We are a human capital firm. Um, built with a group of knowledge workers or modern professionals. Um, we're really built to deliver professional services to the marketplace in a more modern way. And for us, that means helping our talented consultants build more of a portfolio-oriented career, meaning they can decide what projects they want to work on, when they want to work, for whom they work, and where they work. So we're a business model built for today in terms of the focus on flexibility, agility, and control for talent. Where is all the talent, Kate? Where do all the workers go? So it depends on <laughs> what segment of the workforce you're talking about, obviously. That's and fair. I think I think the data, when you really dive into it, the data tells you that the workers that are taking a break right now, the demographic is kind of 30 to 45 year olds. And I think part of what's happened post COVID is everybody's reassessing what's important in life. And it's not about work-life balance anymore. It's really about does work align with what matters to you as a, as a person and as a professional. So the workers are reassessing right now. I think they're coming back, but they're going to come back in a different way. Now, for our company, our demographic is a little bit older. So we haven't seen um, the exodus that some other companies are experiencing. Uh, but we all have to pay attention to what talent wants because it's a talent-driven marketplace right now. And so, you know, the companies that think they're going to come back full steam ahead with the, the behaviors of the past, I think are going to lose. We have to pay attention to what talent is telling us today. Okay. I, I'm with you on that. Um, so clear, clearly the, the trends of the last year and a half has been very good for, for you and your, your business, right? You, you just, you know, reached your highest revenue figure of the last 10 years. You beat your, you beat your own guidance. Um, that's all backward looking the last year and a half, right? The, the trends of that have resulted from COVID have benefited you and, and your business. Um, but now we're, now we're talking about coming out of that now and, 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 you know, the, 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 the relative chaos of the last year and a half, year and three quarters more normalizing, right? So what does that mean for your business? Well, I think it's important to understand that COVID didn't create these trends. COVID accelerated trends that were already building in the marketplace. And that are, you know, trends like talent wanting more control, talent wanting more flexibility, 
um, and the trends toward project-oriented deliverables. I mean, when you, when you look back, what's happening? We're about to enter, I think, the fifth industrial revolution, right? And that is about bringing human and technology capability together. Um, and the pace of change is, is happening faster and faster. Um, disruption is happening in every industry. Technology allows, you know, upstarts and, and smaller players to challenge the behemoths in this environment. And so what's that doing to business and business leaders? It means we have to innovate faster. We have to get our groups to embrace change faster. And the kind of skills we need to pivot on different projects or change-oriented transformations means the skill sets you need in an organization are constantly changing. And so this paradigm of full-time employment being the only career path for knowledge workers is gone. And I think it's gone forever. And so there was a recent article in the Harvard Business Review, which you know aligns with my thinking, I'll share that up front, which is you know we're finally seeing the rise of the project economy meaning that operational change will happen based upon project teams and not necessarily full-time equivalent employees just handling the day-to-day -day operations of the business. And, and that was you know, happening, Peter Drucker talked about that years and years ago, as the smartest companies will keep their core team lean and access skill sets they need to drive innovation in their organizations. And that's really what we're seeing now, which wasn't created by COVID, but was accelerated by COVID. That sounds like it's great for the business. They, they can keep their costs down that way. Yeah, I've yet to sell me though on how that's that great for me as the worker, other than flexibility and I get to live in a van out down by the river if I want to and work on my laptop. But uh, it's, I also I hear that and I, I hear no benefits, right? <laughs> so well, okay, so let's talk about that. I mean, what yeah. I love talking about with with you and others is that our company does offer the safety net of benefits and professional community. So it can be done. We're okay. here to tell you that you can enjoy gig work and a safety net and a home and a professional community and professional development all the things that knowledge workers want, but we deliver it in a different way. And what I'd say is it, it, it's a fabulous opportunity for talent that wants more control, um, wants to be able to work on projects at some of the most beloved brands, not get involved in the politics or the hierarchy of traditional kind of employment and career growth. And um, you can do so in a way that also protects your family, protects um, your healthcare needs, et cetera. And so we're really a new model for the modern age. Yeah. Um, Kate, I, I'm just curious uh, of all the things going on in, in the job market, in your business, at at Resource Connection, uh, what is the trend right now that, that, that keeps you up at night? hiring great people, just having okay. enough people for our client demand. I mean, it, it's interesting. Our company started about 26 years ago. I mean, we spun out of Deloitte, um, out of the big um, four paradigm, but we're something very different. Um, but it's always been about finding the best people who want 
to bring their problem solving skills to the client environment. And so the only thing that keeps me up um, right now is making sure we attract that we become that irresistible employer for the talent, um, you know, the most sought after talent in the future. Awesome. Katie Shane, CEO of Resource Connection. Uh, a pleasure to chat with you. And we'll, we'll have to have you back on again as as the as the market develops more and when, whatever trends develop more that we're, that we're maybe starting to see right right now or changes. And we'll have to have you back on to discuss this because you've, you've got a pretty unique insight from your spot in the, uh, the ecosystem. So thank you so much for, for joining us today. We appreciate it. Great. Thanks for having me. Uh, all right. Uh, we are back on time, everyone, if you can believe it. I know. Um, and let me see here. I see our next guests. Let's get that banner off the screen. Can we do that? Yeah, we can go yeah, ahead we can and get, that. get that better. Thank you very much. Um, um, yeah, so coming up right now, we have carparts.com coming on for a retail investor AMA. So this is interesting. If, if you've never participated in an AMA before, it's an ask me anything. So post your questions in the chat. And we will go ahead and pull them on the screen. We will do that. Um, yeah. So, so without further ado, Spencer, let's let's go ahead and get to it. Let's just let's just bring on the CEO and the COO of CarParts.com ticker P R T S. Lev Parker, David Minion. We got him here. Let's bring them on. They're backstage. I see them. There they are. Wait a minute. Are they on mute? Can we hear you? Hello. Looks like. Wait. I think they're on mute. Oh no. Let's see if we can unmute them. No, I think they'll have to do it on their end. Can you get, yeah, on the, something on on your end, guys, here. Let's move them backstage for a second, and we'll be able to see when they're unmuted and um, within, within the platform. Within the platform, they can do that. Uh, in the meantime, um, everyone in the chat, I... I we, we have fun bulls. We have fun bears. That's what makes the market... Um, and just because you, you someone disagrees with you doesn't make them necessarily wrong. It doesn't mean it's it's not a personal attack to be, you know, bullish or bearish of stock. I, I just want to put that out there because you guys, a lot of people fired up about Funware right now. If you missed the Funware interview, just rewind the show like twenty minutes, and, and you'll catch it. Uh, do we have David and and Lev on muted? No, I still I see don't them. Believe so. They can't. They can't hear you guys. They're working on changing their speaker settings. I oh, thank you, producer Rohan. They can't even hear us. So how would they know that we were talking to them? We wouldn't. Exactly right. Disagreement is what drives the stock market. So yeah, just like that. If you ask a question in the chat, we will bring it up on the screen, provided it's appropriate, and we can, <laughs> you know, actually not be embarrassed and humiliated when we bring it up to them. So. um Bulls in the long-term win. Oh, in the long-term stock market, that is true. We're at all-time highs. This is generally true. Uh, but, of course, not all stocks uh, go up and stay up. This is why I like ETFs. All right. I think we have them back. I think we have Lev, Lev Pecker, the CEO, David Minion, the CEO of Car Parts. Can we get them on here? Take two. I'm hitting the button. Um, hold on. It looks like they still cannot hear us. We're still troubleshooting this. Okay. Um, let's see. Actually, it looks to me like they're frozen. Oh, no, they're not frozen. We, I think we have them. Guys? Pictures. Nope. All right. Still working on that. We heard them. I heard some typing on there. Yeah, but they can't hear us, which is the problem right now. Hey, man, it's live. This is what happens. 
on live shows. It's fun. You roll with the punches. So we'll get we'll get David and Lev on in a second. Then after them, we'll have Jesse Kaler from Elite Trading. And we're just going to spend the next hour after this just like ripping through charts. If you have a question about a stock, drop the ticker in the chat and we'll just we'll just rip through them. We'll get we'll get thoughts. Any stock you want to look at, we will look at. I can't promise you we'll have anything good to say about it, but of course, but we'll look at it. It's the, what, what, what's the worst that can happen, right? Uh, so we will do that basically for the uh, the 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 one to two o'clock hour. We'll wrap up the show at two o'clock, and the timing is uh, precipitous because that's right when we're going to get the FOMC announcement. Don't forget, everyone, if you are trading today, uh, the day is liable to turn on a dime depending on what happens. Uh, in an hour and 12 minutes from now um, what the Fed says regarding uh, their tapering of asset of buying uh, um, uh, uh, bonds of buying uh, mortgage-backed securities they're going to slow down their pace of buying they're going to eventually stop we just don't know when they're going to start the process is it going to be in December is it going to be in January? It, it, it's it's trying to like it's like trying to turn the Titanic, right? With, 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 it's just such a slow, drawn out process. But the market cares about that stuff. The market cares because this was this the bazooka gun safety net that that the Fed shot out of a cannon last March, right? Now we're talking about maybe slowing down the bazooka a little bit, the fire hose of money. Uh, that could. That announcement could come today in an hour and 11 minutes. And uh, yeah, and Spencer, we talked about it on Monday as far as, you know, how essentially all the big banks between Morgan Stanley, JP Morgan, were expecting this announcement to come this week. Yeah. Um, so to my knowledge, I, I believe it, it. a lot of it's priced in. But like you said, there could be a surprise in terms of when that tapering is supposed to start. If, it, if it's earlier than expected, maybe the markets take a hit. If it's later than expected, yep. um, the opposite of a hit. So we we shall see this afternoon. I know all eyes are on the conclusion of that Fed meeting. We will definitely be covering here on Benzinga. Um, so stay tuned if you are interested. And let us know in the chat kind of what you're trading, yeah. what you're looking we, at today. We but are watching the chat. Ben Lee, what do you want us to answer, man? Ben Lee, I see your question. He says I'm, we're not answering you. What What do you want us to answer? We don't know. Ben Lee, if you're even a real person, are you even a real person? How do I know you're real? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. There's, it seems like there's been a lot of problems uh, with, with True Social. It seems like in the past couple of weeks, a lot of reports coming out. All I know is I tried to get to get the app the 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 day that the the SPAC announcement, um, and I, I guess I pre-ordered it. I'm not quite sure how that works. I guess that's what, what happens when you get an app that's not public yet. Is it going to show up on my phone one day? Is that is that just how this works? Because I I hit download and then nothing happened, so I don't quite know. I don't know. I mean, we'll be we'll be watching out. We'll see when the app goes live. Um, DWAC checking in on the SPAC that that uh, is partnering with True Social is down about one percent today, holding at sixty four dollars and thirty cents. Uh, this is a stock that you know obviously went berserk uh, a few weeks ago. Um, reached, got well over a hundred dollars at one point now at $64. So we'll be watching, um, DWAC as well. Spencer, while you've got Benzinga pro up and we're waiting for the car parts guys, um, I want to check in on, on a cannabis stock. 
Uh, well, not a true cannabis stock, but one that I've said I liked in this space. Grow that gen. is Scott's Miracle Grow. Oh, that sounds close. SMG. Why? Um, Scott's reported earnings last night oh. and is taking off today, up about 12%. So essentially, if, you, if you're unfamiliar with the stock, Scott's Miracle Grow, of course, has their different soil products known for gardening and whatnot. But um, if you go to Scott's Miracle Grow's website, you can go under the brands they own, and they have a bunch of different brands uh, that are, are targeting the cannabis industry. So, uh, you know, focused on the lights to help grow the cannabis, um, soil, of course, all this stuff. So to me, it's a play that gets you that multi-state operator. Obviously, Scott's Miracle Grow with the equipment um, can kind of be a, a Grow G competitor who uh, Grow G has been touted as the, the Home Depot of which, cannabis yeah which but i never got because you can go there to buy essentially everything you would need to grow cannabis uh without having to go there to, to buy but, the but why can't home depot be the home depot of cannabis i agree and i think scott's miracle grow the brands they have under are, are very compelling as well um all right we are good with carparts.com give us a couple seconds and we will bring on oh, man. lev peaker and david Menian, and we are gonna I, go, go ahead with our ama so start spamming your questions in the chat should um, i bring them on should i hit the button yeah hit the buttons Spencer. guys thumbs up if you can hear me thumbs up let's do that they, they, they can hear us david and lev thumbs they can hear us. okay they can hear us oh man we're gonna do this third time's a charm three two one yes we have them yes What's up, you guys? do yes you do what's <laughs> going on guys how you doing Good. Great, great. Lev, Lev Peaker and David Menyon. David's been on the show a few times. I believe we've had Lev on as well. So welcome back, guys. How are y'all doing on this Wednesday? We are doing great. How are you guys? Good, Can't good. So for, for some of our audience that may not be familiar with carparts.com, can you guys just give us the quick, you know, elevator pitch, 60 seconds so we can get into these questions? So I'll do it. So we're, uh, we're an online retailer specializing in auto parts. We sell collision, mechanical, performance, and accessories. And what makes us unique is that we have our own supply chain. We import straight from the factories in Asia and domestically. We bring all the inventory in our distribution centers, and we sell them directly to customers. So what that does is it allows us to sell premium quality parts at competitive prices. Got it. Um, all right. Well, give us a second because there is a slight delay. Here, so I, can we start? Because I have some questions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll start with Spencer's okay, questions. Thank you. We'll get some from the thank chat. You. Can, can we? Your own supply chain. Uh, yes. What? Why? Why do that? It seems like an obvious thing to do now, right? When there's supply chain chaos everywhere. But at the time, I'm sure that was not an obvious thing. It's, there's a reason not everyone does it, right? So, why? Why? Why do that for, uh, at the outset? Yeah, it's, it's a great question, and it's an obvious thing for us, and it's been obvious since we joined the company three years ago. It's about controlling our own destiny. It's about vertical integration. In order to offer the best quality products at the best prices, you want to control the whole journey from factory to fulfillment centers straight to the customers. So no middleman, no third party. There's no one in between making a markup, and we can offer the same, same parts at great prices. So it looks like we do have our first question coming in from Brian Baller. He's asking thoughts on Tesla taking over the car industry. And I'm going to add to that a little bit because I know Tesla famously has less car parts than other cars. Yeah, so I'll take that one. So I think if you think about the car park today, you know, there are 286 million vehicles on the road. And the average age of the vehicle is about 12 years. It's the oldest we've seen 
uh, cars on the really? road uh, to date. Yeah. And uh, if you really think about how many cars Tesla is selling per quarter or per year, whatever number you want to take, you know, it's a very small percentage of the car park. So it's going to take a long time for uh, not just Tesla, but all electric vehicles to penetrate the car park. But we have been getting ready. In January, we launched uh, carparts.com slash EV. Uh, we have over 700,000 applications uh, and different parts for electric vehicles. Uh, we were also a launch partner for TRW and their blue line, uh, which has brakes for electric vehicles. Um, so we, we have been getting ready. Um, and the other misconception is that Teslas have fewer parts. You know, 90% of everything that we sell is uh, really drivetrain agnostic. So, you know, Tesla has bumper covers and mirrors and headlights and control arms and brakes. Um, and sure, you have to replace brakes less frequently because of the way the, uh, the car uh, brakes on its own when you release the gas pedal, but it still has those parts. Wait, just real fast. Uh, the average age of the car in the U.S., 12 years, how does that compare to historical averages? Uh, it used to be, you know, between 10 and 11, and it's been slowly climbing. So, you know, we went from 10.6 uh, maybe 10 years ago to uh, 12 years uh, this year. Uh, okay, moving on. So Easy Mike is asking, do you guys currently have any deals with the major automakers? Well, uh, <laughs> I was going to say, what's up, Easy Mike, because I like the name. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think actually you bring up a good point. And what makes our business very unique is our private brands. 90% of what we sell is our own brand and our own product. So that's how we can, we can have the same quality as the OEs, but at more attractive prices. And we're also, you know, early on in, the, in our journey, we decided that we wanted to reduce the paradox of choice for the consumer. So our goal is to offer the customer a good, better, best selection. And, you know, if you think about an OE part, you know, it's extremely expensive in most cases. Uh, there is really no catalog for OE parts. Uh, you know, we create our own catalog, we write our own data. And so eventually we will offer consumer a choice to buy an OE part, but the aftermarket parts are, are just as good. Um, and often they're sourced at the same factories as where OE make their parts as well. Got it. And so Eduardo Gonzalez in the chat is asking, um, do you guys offer a lifetime warranty on your parts or, or if any warranty at all, what's the duration of that? Yeah, we're actually in the process of rolling out um, all new policies in terms of returns. Uh, we really want to be consumer centric. And so uh, over the next few months, what you'll see, see us roll out is hassle-free returns. So the first 90 days of, the, uh, of you owning the product, you'll be able to return it to us. Uh, no questions asked. Um, and then after that, there will be a lifetime replacement guarantee where, you know, if you buy a set of brake pads, you'll be able to use those brake pads. And then in a year or two years, whenever they were out, return them to us and buy a new set and get it for free. I think Eduardo brings up a good topic. And if you look at some of the, some of the specialty retailers that are doing really well right now, whether it's Chewy or Warby Parker, some of the online players, their return policy and their warranty policies is what also makes them very unique. So that's one of the things that we're looking to match and, and improve on over the next few quarters. Got it. Yeah, that, that's interesting. Um, someone else is asking a good uh, question in the chat. Rich Kaiser is asking, yeah, how that's far... That's a great... I, I saw this one. This is a great question. How far back in years do your parts go for the people who have classics? I mean, we're up here in Detroit, Michigan, so a lot of people out here are driving cars, you know, from the... Just classic cars, really. From before yeah, so you were born. 
<laughs> so we really we go back to uh, about 1980. Um, we are in the process of expanding our assortment and identifying gaps in our catalog. And so classic and restoration is definitely uh, one of the areas that we want to pay attention to. So you'll see us kind of start our catalog to the vehicles, you know, and go back to the 1950s, 60s, 70s, um, as we kind of attack new areas and, and get into new uh, new parts. And there's another good one here I wanted to get to from the chat that I just saw. Uh, and, and I, and I want to, um, yeah. Okay. This is going from bread, bread goddess. I don't think we asked this one, right? Uh, do you work with individuals or companies? Is there any you can name? Uh, so we primarily ship to individual consumers. Um, now from our research, we do know that one in six customers takes the parts to be, uh, installed or replaced, uh, somewhere else. They don't do the repair themselves. Uh, and we're also working on a lot of different initiatives to address the do-it-for-me market. Uh, but today, our primary focus is a do-it-yourself individual consumer. Here's one from Christian. How has your supply chain slowed? This is the obvious one, right? You have your own supply chain. Well, surely it's affected, right? So how has your supply chain slowed down and been affected over the last year and a half? You know, I think every retailer has felt some impact of supply chain disruption. You know, for us, it's it's an obstacle and we looked at it as an opportunity. So very early on in the pandemic, we decided to take a more aggressive approach. So we continued expanding our supply chain by opening new buildings. We continued to pay, you know, premium rates for ocean freight to have the inventory. We like to say that inventory is our oxygen. And so the fulfillment centers is really the key and the critical component of the company. So we've been very aggressive in terms of bringing in inventory. And in fact, and we just announced it yesterday on our earnings call, uh, we're at basically a company record in terms of inventory position. We have $130 million of inventory position on the books. That's up from $49 million two years ago. And as we get into our peak season, having the inventory in stock is what's going to make us win. $132 million. <laughs> the extra $2 million actually counts. So. <laughs> it makes a difference. What about uh, foreign cars? You guys are also in those markets. You're in all car yes. markets, right? Yes, so all foreign, domestic, uh, 1980 and above for now, uh, but we carry it uh, collision, mechanical, we carry it all. All right, this this isn't asking me anything. This question I highly, highly doubt you can answer, but somebody did ask about your take, I think, on flying cars, I think. <laughs> um, hey, this is what we we... We we pulled the chat for questions, and this is what they say. Let me find the exact question because I don't want to butcher it. Um, yeah, yeah, okay. This is the quiz. This is the question. <laughs> Will Tesla produce a flying car in the future, like the ones in the Blade Runner movie? Well, I doubt they can speak to Tesla specifically, but I'll let you guys answer that as best you can. I, I hope so. And you know, if it falls out of the sky, there's going to be more parts to replace on it. <laughs> And I'll tell you, for me, I'm still waiting for a flying DeLorean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those, those those are supposed to be out by now, I thought. Um, <laughs> this isn't from the chat, but I'm just curious. Right now, what what brand is the most bought, um, you know, brand of car parts on your website right now? Uh, so meaning for which brand of cars or which yep. brand? Yeah, uh, for which, which brand, brand of, of cars. Car. I know it's your, I know it's carparts.com branded parts, but, you know, are they for Toyotas, for Volkswagens, yeah, et cetera? It, it really follows uh, vehicles in operation. So it's, you know, the number one selling vehicle in America is a Ford F-150. 
So a Ford F-150 is the most common uh, vehicle that we sell parts for. And I'll give you the other ones. It's a Dodge Ram, Chevy Silverado, and Toyota Tundra. The, so the, a lot of the main, Sounds like yes, trucks, man. All yeah. pickup trucks, yes. So, yeah. so logistically, you know, so I go to a mechanic. They, you know, typically would say, oh, we have to order these parts, and there's going to be a markup for those parts. Um, so if I went to a mechanic and knew which parts I need and then went and got them myself from carparts.com, could I bring those to the mechanic and then uh, have them install those? Or do they, the mechanics themselves, have to order from carparts.com? Yeah, so we've seen the tide kind of change. Uh, you know, if you would have asked me 10 years ago, I would have told you that, you know, most mechanics wouldn't take the parts uh, that you sourced outside. Uh, but I think as kind of time went on, um, a lot of mechanics, uh, they kind of work like lawyers or doctors where, you know, they, they have a certain amount of money they want to make per hour. And so if you were to go out and source your own product and then bring it into a mechanic, uh, he might have free time and he may install the part. He might charge you a little bit more for labor. Uh, so, you know, if a typical labor rate is one ton per hour, he might charge you 135 just to make a little bit more per hour because he's forgiving the uh, extra profit on the part. Uh, but a lot of mechanics will do the repair uh, if you bring in the parts. And then uh, just to wrap it up here, there was a question about uh, warehouse automation. Can you speak to that a little bit? Is that something you're investing in or, or not really? Yeah, you know, automation is a word that gets thrown out a lot. There's yeah. different types of automation. You know, for us, it's all about customer experience and click optimizing click to delivery. And what that means is when a customer places an order, we want to ship it out as quickly as possible. Now, there's different ways. There's different types of automations. There's conveyors. There's AMR. So we're always looking at different ways to optimize the warehouse. Ultimately, you know, we have a thousand people on our team in our DCs. It's the critical. It's the heart of the company. It's the people that make this company run and allow us to to be here today. Frankly, so that's never going away. Are there opportunities to be a little more efficient long term? Absolutely. In the short term, I think we're we're doing pretty well investing in our own people. Uh, especially in this environment. All right. There's actually a couple more here. I, I uh, Someone asked about Berkshire Gray, BGRY. I just put the chart up there. Uh, is that a company you're looking at for order fulfillment? Uh, so actually, no. Uh, what we're looking at right now is, is building up our own capabilities internally. Um, I don't like to say it in public, but it's kind of true. We're control freaks. And what that means is we want to control our own destiny. So a lot of the tools... And, and technology that we use and how we leverage data is all built internally with our own teams. All right, and then last one here from Christian Gallagher. Do you offer free shipping and how long is your delivery time? So right now, you know, typically what we're aiming for is uh, two to three days delivery. Um, and that's why it's really important for us to get closer and closer to the customer because what we're trying to achieve is 80% of the country in one day and we're also trying to achieve getting the package out of our distribution center same day. So if you think about placing an order uh, on a Monday and getting your part on a Tuesday, that's where the competitive advantage really comes in for us. Um, so that's why it's such a big focus on opening more and more distribution centers, uh, getting closer and closer to the consumer so we can fulfill orders really quick. Uh, in terms of free shipping, um, a lot of our parts have free shipping. Some don't. Um, you know, it's kind of... Free shipping is kind of a weird thing in the industry, in e-commerce, because ultimately the consumer pays for it. It's just baked into the price. Um, so we kind of go the transparent route. We just show you, hey, this is what we pay for shipping, and uh, we're passing those savings on to the consumer as well. 
All right, uh, David Mignon. I think that was that was uh, that that was all we had. Uh, I think we got to all the questions. I'm 99 sure we got to all the questions in the chat. So, David Lev, uh, CarParts.com, the CEO uh, and the COO Lev Peeker and David Mignon. Uh, guys, uh, a pleasure as always, and uh, good luck. Congrats on the quarter you just had, and uh, and good luck going forward. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks for having us, and PRTS to the moon. <laughs> oh man wow going out with, with a bang on that one that, right. that, uh spencer you might not have been on power Hour with us the past couple of times david comes on but he always gives us a good car parts to the moon so no uh, I, I was not on I gotta love him on. for that yeah um so yeah i mean i i personally i'm not a huge like car no, mechanic I mean, guy no, like I, I don't like change my own oil or anything no. but Ever since, uh, you know, we've gotten the chance to speak with David and Lev, I've toyed around on the website and it is very easy to like find parts, comes up very quickly. I mean, it, it seems like a, a very disruptive um, company in that space. You know, back in my day, we had to like go to the mechanic and ask for the parts there. You know, now they right. get delayed. Now they get That's why I asked the part about the, uh, yeah. um, if you go to the mechanic, cause I know they like to, you know, say, Oh, we got to order these parts and charge you for the parts. And I'm sure there's a, a markup and upscale yeah, there for, yeah. for what they're charging you. So mechanics. Mm. All right. Anyway, <laughs> Hey, let's bring on our, our last uh, guest of the day. And, and you know, we're in hour two of the show. This is the more relaxed hour. Let's everyone just chill you know, lean back a little bit, pull up some charts, and we're going to rip through some charts here with Jesse Kaler. Let's get Jesse on the show right now. Uh, hey, man, how we doing here? Hey, how's it going, guys? Thanks for having me back. I seen you had some good interviews today. Funware was an interesting one. You can say that. It was interesting. De- it definitely was interesting. I'm always interested in stocks like that because they have tremendous retail interest, and uh, you either love them or you hate them, and there's no middle ground. Uh, but what is on your radar today, man? What, what what stocks are you? We'll, we'll pull up your charts here in a second, but but what stocks are you watching today? So today was a day of uh, pretty much rejoicing on the good trades that we had throughout the week and last week. Um, kind of a a lot of swings came into play that. Nice. Uh, we'd been watching. So it was more of a takeoff today. I kind of just pulled some out. I did um, I did actually buy a little bit of fundware for fun and um, averaged down a little bit on that one and took some profit out. I got in, um, in in that lower $4 area and got out around five bucks. And I was like, you know what? This is a nice little run real fast, get in and out. So it was kind of fun on that one. No pun intended. But the big one was the Foot Locker call out that I had with you guys two weeks ago when we were on yeah, here talking. I remember, I remember that. I wrote that down. I don't have the paper, but I, I wrote that down two weeks ago. We said, hey, we're in the 47s. We're looking for that target of 50 bucks within the next two weeks, and we're at uh, $50.83. So I uh, got out at the $50, and it was actually at 49.83 to be exact, but we got out a little early, and that's how we like to make it happen usually. And, awesome. Um, that's this is exactly what we had pulled up pretty much for you. We were saying, hey, look at all these nice support areas coming in. And then it actually gave us a nice pull the, the day after or two days after we spoke. And then it it ran back down. I was like, oh, maybe I spoke too soon, Spencer. I was in the chat kind of messing with you one day. I was like, hey, I called out Foot Locker. And then like a couple of minutes later, I was like, oh, maybe I was a little too early. And uh, it found that support level right here again. And it didn't take it out and come back and uh, break a new low. And then that's when it just kind of it was it was easy peasy after that up to fifty. 
Uh, hey, AB, just uh, make sure you see Occupy Investing's comment. Can we get uh, Berkshire Gray, BGRY on the show? I think we can Occupy Investing. I think we can. Um, BGRY. Let me write it down on yeah. my trusty, dusty legal pad here. <laughs> uh, BGRY. We, we will reach out, Occupy Investing. We will do our best to get them on the show, and we will tell you when that happens. But you'll have to tune in. Um, okay. Right, so. um, what what else are we watching here, Jesse? You, you, yeah. Do you care? Do you care about the Fed at two o'clock? Are you not about that life? Um, well, I would if I wasn't um, a, a hedged position. Uh, you know, I put myself in hedge hedge positions, and I make sure that I'm protected. And when I took off some of my uh, risks today, I also added, which I was going to talk about because we don't always talk options together, but um, I did buy some puts to protect myself um, in the money puts on QQQ today. And I'm going to probably um, carry them as protection for now. Um, I think that if they, if we get a pullback, then I'll take some, some profit on them. Okay. okay. I was surprised that we were up again um, based off of some of the, the stocks that I was watching and, um, looking at Facebook, Apple, looking at all the tech stocks, I was kind of surprised that we're hanging on the way we are. And then I um, I look back again and and we're up again, we're green. And then I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to wait yeah. till the end of the day kind of thing. And I'll add some options when they have a um, big price jump to the upside to take some of that um, implied volatility that comes off the table, basically, when they when they feel like, you know, the, the way I say it, I say they, but really it's just whoever's writing the options. And whenever that, that value goes into play, you know, you can look at something that's $300 and then you get a 6% jump in the stock really fast on a short uh, time frame. then it's going to just crush some of that um, premium for you. And a lot of times you can just find those good entries like that and then just kind of find them throughout the day. If you're looking to build a position for a swing position, I like to, if I pick a day or two, I'll say, okay, today I'm going to buy maybe one or two, at points of interest and then tomorrow i'll buy a couple more things like that and add on until i feel like i got my position where i want it to be yeah that's a great point you made about the market being up i i you know this is we've said this now for months but every day i I, i'm reminded of another stock that has just been absolutely brutalized they made it made it made a high in february and it's been crushed since then and i I know that there's like a hundred stocks that are making new 52 week highs today but how many stocks make new 52 week lows today? Like 500? Right. I mean, like it, it, it it's cra- no, more, maybe more than that. Um, you know, like it's pretty crazy. Like I, I look at Activision, like crushed. I look at Zillow, crushed, right? Chegg, crushed. We're at all time highs on the broad market. And we have, we can thank Tesla, we can thank Apple, Microsoft, right? The, the big guns. But there's just so much dichotomy out there. There's so many people. That are, that, are, that are underwater in so many stocks and and or or people like me that watched huge run-ups last year didn't sell and now you know are basically back to scratching a lot of stuff um, i have i you know i follow you guys i'm always with you um, in the chat and i yeah. i i think i have i have a good grasp on what you own spencer i think in my opinion so i've seen where you bet you're, you're pretty honest about where your positions are on a lot of things I, I'll, and, sh- I'll show you what i own right now i have a watch right. list or i'll show you what i own yeah it's nothing too exciting but i'll bring it up on the screen if you're interested so yeah and you'll be so I'm, excited like you'll be like yes i'm like you don't you're not but like the group is we're like look you're spencer great call and you're like yeah it was great if i sold about three days ago or, or a week ago or a month ago yeah. and it's, especially with sofi and uh, you've been on a roller coaster ride with that one 
Um, yeah, the SoFi one is tough, right? It's tough because it's like it's it's a it's a retail stock. Retail loves it. I you know I believe in the company, but I you know I I, I confess not to know why it does what it does. I guess not that I should know, but um, yeah, you know it, it's a despack that they've got all these things working against it, but. I believe in the company, and if if I really am am not full of crap, then I should really just be quiet and let it sit for a while, which I'm trying to do. I hear it. I mean, it's not one of those things where okay, I I only listen to Benzinga. I'm only on right, your right. channel. I listen to so many different outlets. I have my own, you know, you know, I have my own Discord where we have our own information, our own news, the top stories that come in, and we also use Pro. So it's. It's not only you, there's a lot of different names, big names, and just even smaller groups that are speaking about SoFi. It's not just like a, a name that's been like, oh, this might be a meme stock. I think it's actually, you know, when you look at the fundamentals, you look at what the company is going to be doing and kind of where your thoughts of where they might grow in, what they could grow into. I mean, they're a part of them as everything, it seems like now. But um, I, I think it's a good one for long run. I'm not invested in them whatsoever. So um, I have traded them multiple times but I'm, I don't have anything in them right now. Same with Foot Locker. I'm out of that one. I did see in the group they were mentioning SNDL, and I, I'll touch base on this one just because I've actually been watching it because I like to monitor like Webull and some of the other like Wall Street bets we have. You know, you can just put in there a, a quick uh, command and see what the top most popular stocks are, and this one's been on like every list for uh, I would say two years now, a year and a half, and – they just can't seem to win. You know, it's one of those ones where they, they get a little bit of momentum that they, they seem like it's the, you know, the pot stocks might come back and this one just always has just been the, the laggard. It's been the beaten up one of the bunch. And, uh, and you can almost say that about the whole sector, in my opinion, that it's been a hard, it's been a hard investment for a lot of people. And when I look at this chart, though, technically, if I said, hey, I've never traded SNDL, I've never in my life looked at this, I don't know anything about the company, but I want to know if it's a good time to buy it. Well, in my opinion, you know, you can, there's 16 cents right here. Just that's the first thing I see is, OK, OK, there's a possibility that this stock could go to zero. For one, it's under a dollar. Um, that, that's the first thing that comes into my, my mind. It doesn't go, oh, it could go to a dollar or a dollar fifty or two or two fifty three, three fifty four. That's not what I'm doing as a trader. I'm not looking at this space above at this moment when I first come into trade. What I'm looking at is where is it touching? Where is it gonna where are the people saying, you know what, we're not gonna let it get any lower than this? Well, it's squeezing and consolidating really tightly down here at the 65. But the last move was a downside move. So in my opinion, the way I would trade this is I'm looking for, okay, from this mark right here, and I'll put a line here, is that just for the whoever put that question, this is where I'm looking at, $1.49. That's the, I would be a millionaire in my opinion if I hit this level, the, the 149, that is a, a, a great jump in a 65 cent stock. And how, in my opinion, where would I want to go to be safe and say, hey, I can take some profit for anyone that's looking to get to that level? Where I'm going to look for is a spot about 40 to 50% between that level. And if you're looking to get into a position like this, in my opinion, you know, obviously don't take this as stock advice. It's all just um, information, obviously, but you've got a clear level right here. I'd be, my out would be right, right underneath this previous low. So I'd put it about 58 cents, 59 cents. And then I'm looking to only gain 
from this previous move. So now we're forgetting about this big one. We're looking at this one to here. We're only trying to gain here, 73 cents. So is the risk profile good enough for us to take the uh, trade? Then you'd put this right here. You pull this down. It brings up your target. And to me, it just doesn't look like it's going to be enough meat on the bones for this for me as a trader. Now, if you're trading 10,000 shares and you somehow get filled and get out of that trade, then you're really lucky and you, you know, you tapered out of it. You sold 100 at a time, a few hundred at a time, um, maybe a thousand at a time, things like that. But the, just when you look at that, there doesn't look like enough meat on the bones, per se. There's not enough. Uh, there's not, there's not a big enough ratio for, for, the for you loss to be of profit. Uh, yeah, yeah. I got it. I got it. Yeah. And that's yeah, just yeah, where that's I'm trying to tell these people, you know, a lot of people you see them in the group, they're hoping for these, and I call it the hopium stocks. Mm -hmm. And they're not going to make, Man. it's just oh, like you say, you're not going to make millions by buying out of the money calls for uh, weeklies and monthly, you know, options. Well, I, I, you know, though, Depending on who yeah. you are. Well, you know, if you pick the one stock or the 12 stocks out of the 2000. Um, they, well, that's the thing is like somebody bought the 260 calls in, 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 uh, in, a, made in a Avis and made a lot of money yesterday. Yeah. And I, I don't like, I, you, you can't knock it because like, I almost like, I, I, you know, we talk about hopium, you know, hopium trade, you know, uh, you know, never selling a loser, just hoping that it comes back. I mean, the more it happens and it's happened a lot, right. It's happened a lot in this market. You've gotten second and third chances. The more it happens, the, the more you're like, look, you gotta just, it is what it is. It, it's not really a, a, a correct way, but the correct way is whatever, allows you to either make money or, or get your money back at the least. Right. Uh, I mean, and, and it's worked. I don't know why, but holding and waiting in a lot, not, not everything, but in a lot has worked. It's just the way it is right now. Um, and we can scream to we're blue in the face. Don't hold your losers, sell your losers, sell your losers. I mean, the, the more every time we get a stock, like it makes a comeback. I think, well, all right, that's another one. You know, I, I, I don't know, man. The, the, the textbook says one thing, real life says something else. So. Well, that's where you you can diversify. You know, have a couple bucks in there for fun. If you if you really like a company and you think that there's a catalyst in the future that they could rise, and you're like, you know what? Then my opinion, then you wait for a really really bad red week, or or something like that. You want to wait for it to take a week of red, you know, five red days, and you're like, okay, man, this thing's just been beaten down. It's down twenty three percent. Maybe that's when you take a shot at a long-term call because that's what you're going to have a lot of that premium taken out of it. It's just what I see is people buying them when they're up 30%, 50%, 100%. And now the premium went from 100 to 2000 and you're paying $2,000 for a call that you could have bought for 100 bucks yesterday. And the, the non-educated trader, I don't think that they're looking at that. They're not going in going, oh, man, I could have bought that for 100 bucks yesterday and had 10 of these things for what I'm paying for for one. The other thing, and the, the other thing also is like I try, like because I'm I've been underwater bad, you know, in some stocks, and I um if I'm if I really am convicted, then I just don't look at it. Yeah. Then I, I then I, I I honestly I don't even think about it. I maybe this is just me. I have I have unique ability to pretend my problems don't exist, but you just pretend it doesn't exist. Just forget. Just stick it in a drawer. If you're in Sundial from eight months ago, or whenever that run happened. You know, just stick it in a drawer. I mean, 
if you're if you're that convicted, right? Right. Um, I, yeah, I mean that's sometimes that's what it takes. You know? So we talked earlier about the um, the stay at home trades are pretty much dead. That's kind of what pre market prep was going yeah. over. And that, I mean, that that was like the theory of the morning. I don't know if it if it persisted today, but that was the theory of the morning. Well, I've kind of been agreeing. That's why I liked Foot Locker so much because I said, yeah. you know, this is a you know stay at home and a reopening play. In my opinion, you're always going to have to buy shoes regardless if you're doing yard work or going to work or now kids are going back to school. If we all get, you know, it's, we have this hyper vaccination happen and everyone's feels like we're good. Herd immunity goes in effect and everyone's back out hanging out doing all their things. Well, it's kind of already happening in my opinion. I don't see a big difference in my life um, as of right now. And I don't think that our children are going to get forced to be stay, staying at home again, um, just because of the fact that they were just so far behind the kids coming back to school that were staying home. So I, I think that um, these plays are going to be more and more on my radar, you know, looking into like, what do we need necessity wise every day? What are our children using? Like, what are, what are we spending our money now? I know we were spending it a year ago. I know that a lot of people were hoarding their money. They were um, going out to the grocery store thinking that we were going to have the last steak you ever had in your life. <laughs> and you know, that that's where people were worried about. Now things are going back to normal. Um, I think there was a lot of profit taking in the stock market. And there was a lot of people that woke up and looked that that did what you did and hadn't looked at their stocks in 10 years and took profit. And, but I also think, you know, my grandfather's one of them where he sold a lot during the uh, pandemic and never rebought. And you know, he's regretting it that, that, badly. Yes, yes, yes. That is like a great fear that I have um, is for people get raked over the coals, lose their shirt, sell, which is okay, and then never buy back in. That's why we talk about diversifying all the time. I feel terrible for the, the people that sold in 2001, 2002, or 2008, 2009, and, and they missed – the best decade that we've ever had for stocks. Um, I hope that we that 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 is a, a an overarching lesson here. Is 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 generally speaking, the stock market does go higher. And the and the States. saddest part is, is he said every time there's been one like oh nine oh eight, he was like, you know, I always bought more. And he said this time he's like, I just didn't buy the dip. And I'm like, man, I'm like grandpa in your lifetime, you've only seen a few of these. And if you have oh, that know. big money there, you've got man. your 60 years of retirement from GE. You've got, you know, unfortunately, that's the company he had to retire from because they did not take care of their employees with their stock. But um, at the end of the day, you know, he had a good chunk of money there. And he's like, you know, he had AMD, you know, in the teens and, you know, still sold for a profit. But I mean, he's looking at it going over 100 and he's over pulling his hair out, you know. And I, Yeah. Hey, I've got a family friend that retired February of last year and or January of last year. And then I I felt like so bad for the guy. He just watched a quarter of his portfolio go up and smoke. Now yeah. when when he needs it, right? Now he's retired. He needs to live off his investments. And he just he lost a quarter of it in like a month. And then it came right back. But we had no way of knowing that was gonna happen. Um and 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 you know, for people like that, you know. People need the money. Yeah, please stay invested. Please. Stay invested. Yeah, she Shelly said, I always snack on Power Hour. Y'all need to get snack sponsors. So we, we, Frito we Lay that. hit us up. We can do we can, we do, we, we can do that. Um, you know, we can get, you know, I I, I hear uh body armor uh is is big right now. It's got a uh 
a lot, a lot of money from Coke. So maybe we get uh, 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 body armor. We, we, we can get some, maybe try Celsius. We can, we can try some stuff. We can try some stuff. We can try to get some snack sponsors um, on, on the show. Hey, let's do some questions from the chat. Uh, a few people were asking, let me just scroll up here because I, I, I lost it now. But a few people were asking about, um, here's a, another one, just like the, the Sunlight thing is B, BBIG. I mean, it's, it's oh, sort of the same. That. It's the yeah. same story, right? It's sort of uh, it's it's basically the same chart. Um, this it's stock, this company, they've been, on, they've been on the show, they've been on the channel. Um, I don't, I don't quite understand it, um, but it's got this following for whatever reason. Um, if if anyone wants to explain to me why certain stocks have this following and certain stocks don't, um, I would love to hear it but um it's got it's got this this cult-like following behind it and and i mean the chart you know looks the same in that it's well off its highs so i know i know that zach morris was big on it i don't know if he still is maybe that's part of the problem here building's Um, favorite pain in the butt what Uh, the show say by the bell Belt, the principal oh oh, oh, yeah 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 that's the guy that's the guy (laughs) I'm yeah. showing my age. I'll be 36. I, wait, years, I, so. I have a great, I have a great Mr. Belding impression. Actually, do it. It's uh, here. Take off the screen. Let's go. It's it's. Hey, hey, hey! What is going on here? <laughs> is that good? You like that? That's good. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, sh- ba- back to- is fun side. Everybody, you guys don't get to ba- see this ba- often. No. <laughs> ba- 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 back to BBIG. <laughs> Um, so, you know, look at this one. I mean, if I'm just, I always pull up things technically, I don't know anything about the company. I know it was all over the, um, the radar for, you know, stock. I like to look in the morning at the, I even put in the chat a lot, pre-market gainers, pre-market losers. This one was mm-hmm. on the board like every day for like a month. Um, but you can see that it's significantly fallen off here. And at this point, I think it's at a crucial, crucial level that says, okay, I'm going to come back and give somebody a few bucks back and get you back to 584. If you're holding on to this thing, 584 would be a level that I'd be 550 probably be like, Hey, I'm out of here. I got some, I'm buying more now if I really want to hold on to it with a really tight stop loss right here. And then you're hoping for yourself to get a 50% retracement on this previous move here. Mm -hmm. It'll probably consolidate in a lane right in this area. And then it'll probably open up and break out for about 20 minutes of the day while you're sitting at work and not paying attention. And then you're going to be like, man, I could have sold at six bucks and got two bucks back or five bucks and got a dollar back. But um, this is where you set your trading plan and you can set it just like this and say, okay, I want to get out and you can have multiple targets. You can say, I want to get out some here, 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 and you can set those and just walk away from it kind of thing. In my opinion on this one, if you're really involved in it, but if not, you put an order right here, and let them fill you one day if you get lucky on a bad, bad day and they drop 50% because that's about the only thing I can see on this one. Ooh, who's, who was this in the chat just now? Uh, I, I want to call him. Someone is is doing some arbitrage here on ticker FAT, Fat Brands. Oh, I just lost a comment in the chat. Where was it? Uh, fat and yeah, SWW17033 is, is, I think, is, is arming fat and fat BB right now. Um, I don't quite know what's going on here. I know they're both low floaters, not very liquid, um, but they're both spiking right now. Um, so what I know that I think they report tonight, I think fat reports earnings tonight. Oh, no, tomorrow. Sorry, tomorrow after the close. Um, what does fat brands do? 
Well, I don't have to know. I can just look at the Benzinga Pro. Uh, they are a restaurant. Oh yeah, I think I knew that. Yeah, they okay. own. Um, they own. Let's see. They oh, they own Johnny Rockets. They own Fat Burger. They own Elevation Burger, uh, Hurricane Grill and Wings, Bonanza Steakhouses. I've never heard of any of these. I've just heard of Johnny Rockets, but um, yeah, restaurant stock spiking right now. So when I see restaurants, I always go to this one, DRI, uh, Darden, because it's a they own a lot of restaurants that I'm actually familiar with in my area in the Midwest. And um, I've actually been watching this one because they've been kind of consolidating in this range. And I've, I've been watching for them to, to dip all the way back down to 100 is what I've been watching. But um, you said fat. Let me it, That one's ripping. It's not affecting them at all. So. Yeah, full um, fat. Fat is the is the liquid one. Uh, FATBB is not liquid for Jack, and I think it's just moving the market dynamics here. I mean, it's got a it's got a float of half a million shares, so it's not. That, they said you had that. me at Johnny Rockets. I've never even been to a Johnny Rockets. I haven't been to one in fifteen years. What is, that? is it like a sub place or something? It's a fifties fifties diner. Uh, oh, okay, style Highway fifty five yeah. kind of place. Yeah, um, exactly. So 854 to 1259, you're hanging out right in that area where it's like, okay, you got people buying and selling right now. So um, let me go to the smaller time frame just to see if I, oh, wow, I don't see, I don't, anything that looks like this on a trading, when I'm trading on a smaller um, level, I just don't like yeah. it. It looks okay. like a bunch of, ugh. Me, All right. But. Uh, what about here? Here's one I'm not familiar with. Uh, Azul. From Daniel Ryan, ticker AZUL. Says, uh, yeah, I'll bring your comment up. Bought it yesterday. Now they want to buy Bankrupt Airline. Oh, those, those are a dime a dozen. Um, AZUL up four and a half percent today. And Daniel Ryan is long from, I'm assuming, somewhere in the 13s. So. Uh, me, I'm taking profit and maybe looking to re-enter if you really like it right around this area, 1444. That's just how I would trade it. Um, I'd look for it to try to come back down and retest this low. And if it doesn't retest it, it'll probably at least hit this 1440 level. And I'd like to re-enter around there and then have a stop loss below this. If I'm down, if I'm getting in here, I'm out once it breaks past this previous green candle. So I'll, t I'll tighten this up on a 15 minute. If you're trading this, you know, now, like a now trade, then if I'm looking at it like this, okay, we we get a nice run. That's what I'm paying attention to the stock. It starts to not make any more new highs, and then it flushes down. And when it gives you this back right here, that's where I'm out, at the, in my opinion. And then if it comes back here and retests this area and then starts to come back up then you in this channel here, then that's when you're like, okay, I can go back long again. Because I'm a really – I like to take my risk off instantly. As soon as I feel yeah. – and I'm a feeling person, I like to watch the – the trade and I see it and I'm just, you know, looking at it the way that the price action is moving. And once I start breaking back down, I don't want to be the guy that's catching up, trying to catch the fall on knife once it breaks past this 1388 low and continues back to right where I got in again. I don't want to lose all my profit, but some people would say, okay, I'm in here. And then you're, you're looking for a maybe a price target of 15. Well, if you just set it, then you're going to hit it. But me, if I'm watching it, then I would have already been out on, on this play, honestly. And I probably would have maybe re-entered if I was really long uh, once it once it didn't make that new low. And then now you're just kind of hanging out with a lot of profit. So it's just, it's, it's kind of, I don't know, it's up to you on your what your trading um, risk reward is. 
Uh, I'm just keeping an eye on the spy here, and we are just so quiet, so nothing is happening into the into the Fed announcement. Nothing is happening. It is so quiet out there in the broad overall market as we wait, uh, whatever the Fed's going to say to it block here. Uh, okay, let's do some more from the chat here. Drop your tickers in. Here's one, Tattooed Chef, TTCF. This one comes across our, our, my radar every couple of days, it seems like. Somebody asks about this. I tell you what, I really... Uh, I've been seeing more and more of these types of products in the stores, but they're not Tattooed Chef brand. I see every other brand. Maybe it's just a store that I shop Like at. Tupperware stuff? Is that what it is? Or like you mean no, like no, it's cookingware? Like, it's, it's, it's like Beyond Meat. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I'm a go-to-the-butcher kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I like the fresh meats. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I like to go to the daily. I'm going to break it just to put up some levels that I had there just to kind of give me a reference once I get to the smaller levels and see where I've missed out on a on a play. See, I kind of was a little off on that, but it looks like looks like this area right in here is where the buyers are coming in, getting you some, some love in this $18 range. And you see it just blasted off from there already. So me, I feel like I've already missed out on this trade if it's just a trade, but for long-term wise, you want to come back out here and see where your, your next hot. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, it made a higher high, but it also made a lower low on this move. I get, I mean, unless you could, I mean, it, it, it broke past this one, but I guess it's kind of a double bottom, but the, this looks, I mean, like it, it might want to take off again up into to hit 20. 20 dollars. 20. My... 20. We haven't seen 20 on that in uh, a long time. Uh, yeah. Let me, pull up a, let me pull up my daily here. Yeah. I haven't seen 20 since uh, September. No. Yeah, September. It's really got to hang out and hold this this eighteen dollar range. Uh, be, if it can hold and stay above eighteen sixty seven, right where it's like in this area right now, if it can just stay here and close, open up tomorrow closer to nineteen, I think that you might get that that nice little run up to twenty. But it might be really short lived. All right, uh, let's look. Maybe at people are worried about. Maybe they're thinking Christmas that people are buying this stuff for Christmas. Yeah. Uh, okay. Treasured. No, not treasured. Sorry. Uh, who asked? Sean asked about a stock that has, is like not trading. Like LRNT has like no trade. So I don't really think we're, we can look at that. Um, what about Kroger? Uh, someone said, yeah, I saw Kroger. What's it doing hey. today? I haven't looked at Kroger since the open. It, How are we doing it, since the open? Blew up today for Kroger anyway. Forty-two, oh 40, yeah. This is this is ridiculous. This is because of the Bed Bath and Beyond thing. This is so dumb. Everybody's buying Campbell soup. No, this is so dumb. Oh, sorry, Sean. Uh, all right, we'll, we'll get to that in one second. Um, yeah, this Campbell, this Kroger thing is so dumb. Well, you see your double bottom, and then you see your where they sold it off from this top up here. I mean, you're looking at it almost exactly a fifty percent retracement if you see that there. Yeah, and I go over. You see, I know you probably see me do this a lot, where I show the top, I show a bottom, and then it ha it's like right when we're talking about it, it's always hanging out right here in that fifty percent rate. That's well, that's when it gets on everyone's radar. Yeah, this is this move is probably short lived down to forty. Yeah, yes, I don't have a crystal ball, but but I mean, 
because I, I try to think about like the the characteristics like the types of companies that that capture the attention gamestop right traditional mm-hmm. video game mall retailer amc traditional movie theater right avis traditional uh car rentals Kroger Kroger sort of fits that but it's also like a, it's a, just a grocery store it's like the, there's nothing existential there's no existential threats to their business there, there there's no this is not a rally behind Kroger type of situation um this is still going to be short lived i think I, I i would not buy it up at 4250 absolutely not um if it were me okay the one from Sean was uh, ironnet i r n t ooh i like this one um as just okay. a point of talking point because this thing was along the lines of gree g-r-e-e if you saw that this is like in that same uh, moment yeah and this is just what happens you know people are coming in they're waking up in the morning and they're like you know what this thing's on the radar it's up forty dollars and then it pulls back and they're like oh okay i'm gonna try to get in and take a, a shot and then it just looks like shot 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 and it just goes down and down and down. That's when they go, hey, what about this stock? Now, if you're just now the first person ever look at it and you're like, okay, this is what I want to look at. What's going on right now? Then it looks like it's trying to pull back and give you, it's trying to say we're a little oversold down here at 11 bucks, 10 bucks. But then I'd have to go in and look at the fundamentals, see what this company's doing. Um, I think they're a, um, a web protection type of company, like a, I don't, I, I don't know exactly, it, but I it, it, it reminds me of Iron Dome. That's all in <laughs> the Iron Dome in Israel is, is what I think of what, when I hear this company. But I mean, um, you got to support 1178, 11.65 right now. Current support, that ten dollars yeah, you, is your downside. Yeah, and the chat is right. It's it's other grocery stores too. It's not just Kroger, but um, yeah. Anyway, Ironet. Uh, Ironet is interesting because it 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 um it, it is like a, it does have a lot of retail interest. But, um, I actually, I don't know really know. I was gonna, uh, I, I was, I was gonna say, the chart doesn't act like it. But so, but is there big money it, out it there? Like Here's my conspiracy theory: Is there big money? Are there hedge funds and and algorithms that are saying, okay, we're gonna take all the top qu- stocks on Wall Street bets, retail trading platforms, and we're gonna short them because. The- it no. seems like a lot of these stocks, as soon as it goes on that list, it goes way down. Well, maybe like maybe it's the kind of stock that gets on that list in the first place. Yes, it makes you know? it easy for them to make that decision. No, 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 no. I'm saying what, what maybe the kinds of stocks that are on that list are just shitty stocks to begin with. Yes. And, and are just getting the pump, an undeserved pump, right? Um Yes, undeserved pumps you know? are. Maybe is there an un uh, an undeserved pump algorithm? I need to know where that one is because someone needs to build that for us. I mean, yeah, his. his we need stocks people, that have very, bad people on Discord. Certain people on Discord and Twitter probably. Uh, we need a bad PE scanner with uh, bad fundamentals, um, and you know, over exuberated old, old, old school old school business model like car rentals or movie theaters or video game sto- uh, stores and. Um, yes, it's yes. grandpa stock. So we got to, okay, grandpa, what did you invest in 50 years ago? I'm gonna write that down. And those are the ones that are winning right now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, PG Procter Gamble. That's one that was on the list for when I was a kid. That's what I knew of banks. I mean, PG what's doesn't like, look too bad. What's another one 
BAC. How's IBM doing? IBM. You know, grandpa's stock. It was IBM. Ugh, not good. It's holding at 126 level, 124, but. Not yet. And yet it's not doing good. Maybe. Yeah. It know. could. This could be one that gets on the meme stocks in the, here, and if it sits down here too long. Yeah, there is some retail. The JN Macy's is making a new high again. I think. Macy's, or, yeah. Macy's is a, is a monster. Dillard's is is a low floater. So that's sort of the, you know. Uh, the chat is pulling out the nostalgia stocks right now. They like this one. They like this idea. Enron, Enron might actually. I I don't. I, I don't know this for sure, but Enron might actually still technically have a ticker. What's, well, I was gonna say, what is Enron's ticker? Well, is it would one? be it, it would be on like the gray market, which is like uh, a totally unregulated, like <laughs> ghost shell companies that only exist on paper. Ghost wild, companies. wild west trading that, that you can't even trade. You can't even get a <laughs> quote or buy them. Um, but these things do trade, like for um. Whitney Tillerson, who was a, a, a hedge fund manager, wrote a post a few years ago about uh, he was he was short Lehman Brothers, and he didn't he didn't cover his short for like eight years, like mm-hmm. long after the takeover by J, I think it was J.P. Morgan, right? Or that may have been Bear Stearns, I don't remember who. But, but Lehman went under, and this guy was short for for years and didn't cover for years, and wrote about like I don't know why he just didn't, and wrote about like what a pain on the ass it was for him to like cover his short, like six years after the fact. Uh, so you can, some of these things you can still find a, a, a ticker, although they may not quote publicly or really even trade, but, but if you, you know, have certain tools at your disposal or institution, you maybe can do that. But um Right aid, uh, uh, die wants to know. Right aid, yeah, uh, it's a good one. I saw somebody mention uh, charge point earlier because in tight Aaron Brick. Um, Microsoft does not count, unfortunately, because Microsoft is uh, is own owns the cloud, right? So, <laughs> wouldn't call yeah. that a uh, Piggly so, Wiggly. Right wow, aid is like a pharmacy play, I guess. Like Hex the is throwing products. out the Piggly Wiggly reference. Wow, Hex, really pulling that one, going deep into Johnny's toys. Are we going there? Into the well for that one. Uh, Here's here's one. I don't I don't know if I know. Interesting enough, Joe, to throw it out there. I did have a line that I guess I've drawn at some point when someone asked me about right at fifteen dollars and eight cents, and it's literally like right there today. So nice. I don't know. That's kind of weird. And I looked at the stock from overall. It's just been nothing but a bad investment. but this thing was a—I mean, there must have been some crazy splits or something. But it was two hundred dollars stock and nine hundred dollars at one point. What? What about Chico's? This one, CHS. Let's pull that one up. CHS from who just dropped that on there from Bread Goddess. Five ninety nine. Five ninety nine. That's less than a combo meal at McDonald's. Anything else? <laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking out of your CHS. What do they do, Chico's? Yeah, shoes, right? Shoes. Never heard of them. Well, on this chart, it looks like your bottom. You got you got a double bottom happening on a monthly chart. I mean, it just hit a really really old uh, low all the way from 2013. I can't see because my computer's in the way, but let's see. And then bounced off. So, 
Um, it's it's like my Foot Locker play, I guess. If it's a shoe company, I, I mean, I don't know much about them. I'd have to research. You just you just filled a huge gap that was just a bloodbath that happened to some people from six dollars down to four four eighty four. So anybody that was in the stock right here is really happy right now taking their profit off. So you have a hard range to get through. You have to bust through that six fifty to try to get anywhere higher. So you have to come back to this old previous double top here. I'd say that you're you're on your way to 650 to try it out is what they're doing now. Speaking of uh grandpa companies, Mattel. Yeah. It's another good one. I tried to play this uh, like a year ago and <laughs> I got smacked. Um, this one, this one took me out. Uh, it, I definitely hit my stop loss on this one, but um, <laughs> that's good. Yeah. It's nothing but gone down since and has it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think I was up here in the 22, 23s in this area, and I was doing really well with it, and then it just came right back, and I got out probably with just a little bit of a loss there. I like to I like to set my um, – like once I'm in the profit, like in this area here, I would say, okay, I'm just going to take my – put my stop at break even is usually where – or a little above just to say, okay, I did – I still made a little bit, but, um, man, this one – it's coming back 50% retracement. Look, there's your top. Here's your bottom from that huge move down. It broke down from this top to here. It came, it came back and broke out of this range at the 19. You're at $21 hanging out there. People are getting excited for maybe a little Christmas run possibly, but I don't know. I, my kids, I have two, three and a let or 12. And I don't think we have anything Mattel in our house at this point. You have anymore. nothing physical. It's all yeah, digital. It's you have, yeah, you have, tablets, you have device. Yeah, yeah, that's and, it. Um, learning devices. Yeah, I mean that's mm -hmm. where the crazy the kids' toys they either get broken, lost, or the dog eats them. So it's <laughs> well, it, man. who plays with GI Joes anymore? Heck, I didn't do that when I was a kid. That's not true. I did. Uh, yeah, um, every kid had GI Joes in the backyard. Yeah, and, yeah. You know. yeah. Hey, can we look at Roku? Can we look at Roku? I want to get your thoughts on Roku because they report earnings tonight. They're in the they're they're stuck in this in this battle with Google um, over uh, over YouTube in terms of getting YouTube and and YouTube TV on Ro the Roku platform. And I don't think it's resolved yet. Uh, the bar is awfully low for them, uh, based on what Netflix said, based on what what Comcast said, and and and, and what and what Disney said. Um, but uh, wait, Disney didn't actually wait. Did Disney report yet? I may, I may have made that up. I have so a Roku TV I, if that matters. I've got one too that I hardly use, but the bar is so low for Roku into this report. The stock's been so punished. What do you see here? I see you have a big, big drop off down to 280 and 260 is the big levels I see to the downside. If you're looking for an upside play, you might get back to 320 with a it's going to take a minute, but uh, I mean, this one, it just depends. If they blow it away somehow on earnings, then you've got, I mean, you've got a decent play here for anyone that's looking at a technical standpoint. Um, I think let me just put it, I always got to put it on here and see if it, if it fits. It was make it too big. There we go. So if I'm correct on the downside, you've got 
this big move all the way down there. So let me pull this up. Yeah, I mean, depends on your your risk. If you come down here and you and you say, okay, I, I'm gonna really put on you know five to six point risk, then nine nine points to the upside. Don't try to get all of that 320. Try to get yourself you know even maybe even just a target of maybe an equal one to one. You know. Um, drop this down to 305 ish, but this is scary to me. This looks like it could come all the way back down to here. So that's how I see it. So if this is a, a short position, which we can definitely um, show you that real fast, this is kind of where if I don't like it on a long, then look at it, look at it as if you were wanting to short this and where would you, what, what looks clearer, what looks like it could happen more than the other and it, to me it looks like it at least come back and try to test this and if it breaks down to the lower side so you'd want to get in once it broke past this low you wouldn't want to jump in right now you'd want to wait for it to i must point at the screen i must pull a joel O'Connor. oh my goodness don't All right. don't go there man <laughs> i hope you're not watching this joel um but no 308 to 303 for the you know that'd be your target for for that one so i look i'm, I'm looking at this i would rather just stay away from it and this is what i would that's what i'd would do. i maybe let the news come out let's see what it does tj tj is uh is 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 thinking a thought that we've all thought at one point or another in our investing or trading lives which is uh yeah i could buy this dip <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then it just drops. TJ's thinking that in, in, in ATVI, man. I, 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 I spent I spent all of 2017, 2016, uh, even part of 2018, uh, calling bottoms in stocks. I called the bottom in Under Armour wrong, GE wrong, Crap Science <laughs> wrong. Who else did I call the bottom in that I was wrong in? I'm sure there was a, a half dozen others. I, I was wrong in basically all. I think one of them I got I got right, but. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> I up, I have an Activision trader lover video game guy. And this is you, this is something I've already this is a trade that you can see that I did back in um what is that like 2016. So oh, okay. this is literally started in 2016 as well because this is how I can remember when I traded and we can go back and we're doing lessons and things like that. So I got in right here and then I you have your line when you get out and this is when you got out, right? This is when, when it broke through, that's when we got out. And I haven't looked back since to be honest. I have not, I just, I let, I let it go in August of 2019. It looks like, or sorry, um, nice. February of 2019. Um, there like before that big dip, I think. So the reason why I did is because I felt like uh, my generation, the nineties, the eighties guys, we, yeah we got married and we're no longer allowed to play video games every day. And we didn't buy the newest Madden anymore. We're not buying the newest call of duty anymore. We're waiting for a year for it to go by or we're getting it for a birthday or Christmas for our kids so that we can play with, play the game. So it's um, to me, it just seems like, especially with Facebook and metaverse and all this talk to me, I think that's another bad thing for Activision unless they somehow get tied into that con that conversation but traditional gaming is going away and i think we're we're looking for a more heightened experience and I, it's just what that's where kind of where i'm going with it and i think that yeah i hear you i hear you I, I think i think you're probably not wrong 
then there's also the school of thought that, well, I mean, they still have huge franchises. They still have Call of Duty. I mean, at one point, do you say enough is enough here? Um, you know, this talking about a stock that was a hundred dollars in February, and we're now we're sixty five. Um, so, but we see if you if you go back far enough, you you look at Activision. It's it's very cyclical, right? It's in favor, it's out of favor. It's in favor and out of favor. So you know we're a long ways away from those lows. Seventy bucks is where you wanted to get it, I guess, is what they're saying. So seventy was the key. Now you're at the point where they've already they've already made a bottom for you here. So this this might be a good um, a good call if you let the dust settle for a day. I wouldn't go in buying today, but maybe uh, end of day tomorrow if you if you guys can stomach the the pain of waiting and maybe losing out on a point or two. Um, but. Mm. This could be something uh, that maybe you just wait. You just wait for the dust to settle a little bit after today. That was a big. That was a big drop today. So, we'll maybe. do like one more here, one or two more. Can you look at Sava. There was a new short report out this morning on on SAVA from a firm I don't know, Quintessential Capital. Um, this Sorry. is the company with the Alzheimer's drug and the questionable data um, around that. And I have not heard an update about that data. And Who is not it? That I, Sava, S-A-V-A. That was all over the uh, chat for a while. I traded Sava a little bit. I think I, I traded this on a like in a pre-market session and then was out before 930. Mm. But um, didn't this have like a split of some sort or something? No, it wasn't a split. Is they, they came out with some data uh for their alzheimer's drug that and then the data got called out the question and then i was like wait a minute how good is your data really they had a short report that came out right to this During morning yeah oh this okay morning. this morning well, there, was, there may have been at least one more yes. yeah i thought there was one and then that's when this happened but um let's see 42.50 is way down there so You've got fifty one fifty nine, fifty one fifty in this area right here is your is your downside risk, and then your upside is whatever you think it might go from this last move from sixty two. So probably right here at fifty six, fifty eight. This might be a couple bucks you might get out of it, but short report wise, if you're in my opinion, you're looking to short this thing overnight, maybe and and get a day two um, reaction to this. So, all right, kind of the. Um, the triple D play where he's like, you know, that's kind of just like we were saying before, maybe not buy the first day, wait for it to settle for a day or two and then take your position. But this is the one when you're on the downside, you get a bad report or you get some bad news. They get hit really fast. And then you find out where they're going to get consolidate, where people feel safe, possibly shorting them again. That's what they're usually doing on a bad report. Um, and then, you know, take some profit in the pre-market if they get a dip in the morning. All right, Jesse Kaler, uh, the link to his uh, site is in the description. And uh, he joins us every Wednesday when we have normal programming to hang out. All right, just, Fed. Just, the Fed. Fed in two minutes. Fed right. in two Everybody minutes. Everybody get your popcorn, turn Everybody your TVs hold on. Hold, hold on tight. Hold on to each other. We're about to get some tapering, we think. <laughs> We're not quite sure. Maybe. I don't know. My $50 steaks at, uh, at, the, at the local grocery it could happen if we don't start tapering, or if we do start, I don't even know. So we'll find out in a minute and change. Jesse, uh, pleasure as always to hang out. Uh, see, see you back on next week. All right, see you guys.
All right. Uh, okay. Uh, so I, I do want to wrap the show up because I, I the road, our, our, our uh, NFT show is on next, the roadmap. I want to get to that because those guys are on fire right now. Um, but maybe we'll just hang out until like 201, AB, just to get like the new, just to, just to be here. And I'm going to pull up a, a chart of the spy. And I'm going to pull up a one minute chart. While I do that, can you get in your pro for a minute here? And let's just see what's what. I'm trying to do one better and try to find just a stream that we can pull up on the on the show real quick. Yeah, you can do that. Just go to YouTube, search uh, FOMC or Federal Reserve. When are we tapering? We know interest rates are going to stay at zero. We, that's, that's not what we care about. Um the dot plot is interesting, right? The dot plot is just the Fed governor's expectations of when, uh, of when they could start raising rates. But uh, um, let's see. Let's watch the. Oh, oh, we're moving now. Oh, uh, some, it's it's, it's uh, the conference is until two thirty. No, that's the press conference. But but the FO, the announcement should be out right now. Yes, the leave rates unchanged. We know this, but we know this. What did they say about the taper? What do they say about the taper? Let's go quickly. Oh, here we go. I got someone streaming it. Streaming. It was nothing to stream right now. It's just here. Let's go to a news feed. Boom. Oh, here's the statement. Okay. I will bring this up on the screen. How do I do that? Stop share. Share screen. Can't get through screen. that. I see us going up right. and testing that Is pre-market that me? high. That we are just are chomping doing? around that... here. It looks like there is Dude, a little come bit. Come on, don't do that. Take it off. Into the Take market. it off because I, I often hear about it later. I'll have to hear about that later. Uh, okay, here is the statement. It's up on the screen. Bada bing, bada boom. And spies going up. Mm-hmm. Unchanged. You know, what? screw it. Control F. No, that didn't work. <laughs> no, that didn't work either. Uh, this is nothing. It didn't say... Ah! Okay. I don't even know what that says. didn't say anything about the taper. How are we doing on the charts? What's the SPY doing? Anything good? Um, yeah, SPY, it spiked up a little bit. I'm seeing tapering starting November with monthly reductions of uh, 15 billion prepared to adjust taper pace as warranted. Uh, I'm seeing 10 billion. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, they're cutting their treasury purchases by 10 billion a month. They're cutting their mortgage backed security, uh, purchases by $5, billion per month. So yeah, there's that 15 billion number. So, okay. Tapering starting in November, accelerating in December. All right. We've been talking about this thing all freaking summer, all spring, all year. It's nice to at least start, and then we'll go from there. So, All right. All right. The Roadmap, our NFT show, is live right now. That was fun. Thanks to all of our guests today, all like six of them. Yeah, a- we had a packed show, Spencer. And if, if you haven't already, please smash the like. We're doing our best to bring you guys this content free of charge um hang out with us every day as we break down the latest in financial markets and any news that could be you know impacting your stocks really so come hang out with us smash the like 
Um, and yeah, without further ado, let's go ahead and get over to the roadmap. Don't miss your free chance to tune into Benzinga's very own bootcamp series on November 20th. If you're looking to dive into new concepts and grow your account, this one's for you. 